Welcome to Together for Salem. Welcome to my backyard again. We're missing Aaron because he's actually in the house remodeling the bathroom. So um, I'm gonna hang out out here for a while, uh, stay out of the way, stay out of the melee um, and let him do his thing. But I just have a few things to tell you before we get started. Uh, John's gonna talk to us, it's gonna be part four of our Jesus versus religion series. If you're new, you haven't watched this content before, fill out our welcome card, we'll send you a $5 uh, e-gift card. So thank you for watching. It's a great place also to ask questions, request prayer, um, anything like that. And the next thing and the last thing I'm gonna say to you is we're doing a giveaway. We do giveaways every week. And this week's giveaway is to uh, King's Kitchen. It's at Fork 40 uh, Food Hall downtown. We had a bunch of entries and I'm really excited to tell you that uh, Megan, at Miss Whimsy, you were the big winner for our giveaway for our random drawing. Thank you so much to everybody who entered. Uh, Megan will get a hold of you and get that gift card uh, to you. We're doing another one this week, so make sure you check out social media. You can enter again, all of you guys. Uh, we're gonna give away um, some tacos to Azul's Tacos. They have two locations in Salem. One's in Polk County in West Salem and one's downtown. It's a great business we wanna support right now. So if you go ahead and check out our social media, you can enter those giveaways. Uh, that we run every week. And then we announce them on Saturday. I'm gonna throw it over to John. John, thank you so much for um, everything you're sharing with us. If you guys missed the last episodes in um, Jesus versus Religion, they're all on YouTube. Uh, they're on Facebook. We also have a podcast channel. So check those things out. Fill out the welcome card, enjoy the music at the end. And I hope you guys are having a great sunny day in Salem or wherever you are. hard time. There's a lot of conflict going on and we've talked about that in past episodes, but it feels like no matter what you say or what position you hold, there's somebody who's going to be against you. And it feels like in all of our relationships that almost we're, we're walking on eggshells that uh, you say one wrong thing and, and you're canceled, right? They, they say, nope, you're, you're labeled as this and you're out. And it happens a lot with church and religion too. You say one wrong thing, you wear one wrong thing, and you're out. You have one sin, and you're done. You're, you're kicked out. Sin is a fun religious word, which we usually think means, you know, you have what you want to do, but you're not allowed to do it. That's what sin is, right? The thing you want to do, but you're not allowed to do it. And this idea of one sin and you're rejected really affects our view of God. Even if we're not sure there is a God, if there is one, then he obviously has a list of do's and don'ts. And if we do the don'ts, well, then he's going to smite us. Right? He, he's, he's polishing his holy smiter, ready to smash any sinner that steps out of line. See, religion makes us feel we are always one step away from being rejected. And so we either get good at, at hiding who we really are and hiding what we actually do, which is the hypocrisy, and we get really good at working hard to be holy, or we just walk away from it. Maybe that's why you've left church, why you've left religion, because... You didn't want to have to toe the line. You didn't want to have to follow those rules. Or maybe you were rejected by a church. But here's the thing. The same things that we reject about religion, Jesus also rejected. He rejected the judgment, the hypocrisy, ex the exclusiveness, the prejudice, the isolation that religion can bring. And so when Jesus came, he clarified the idea of sin. 
We usually think sin is, you know, all the bad stuff we do that makes God mad and disqualifies us from his love. But what Jesus said is, is sin is actually breaking the law of love. Sin is saying, you know, is breaking the law of love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Anything that hurts our relationship with God and others, that's what sin is. Sin separates us. It separates us from from others because we've hurt that relationship. We've destroyed that relationship. Sin separates us from ourselves because we don't like who we become when we break those relationships. And it separates us from God because we're hurting the people that he loves. That's why God hates sin, because it separates and it destroys. And Jesus also said with sin, we're all in the same boat. See, religion has different classes of sins and that type of thing. And you did this, that's kind of bad. But you did that and that's really bad. Jesus said no. We're all separated from God because of sin. There's no sin that's a little bit better or a little bit worse. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of it. There's nothing we can do to change our past. And so what we usually do with sin, we usually try to run and hide from it or and from God and that broken relationship, or we try to bribe God and try to grovel and do all these good things to earn God's favor back. But none of those actually remove sin. All they do is create this uncertainty and this fear of, am I in? Am I out? I don't know where I stand with God right now. But when Jesus talked about sin, it was never about punishment or or guilt or judgment. It was always about restoration, of fixing that broken relationship. See, religion rejects sinners, but Jesus restores them. And so Jesus told a story about uh, God and how he feels about sin and sinners. And it's recorded for us in what we call the book of Luke. Luke was a friend of the Apostle Paul. And he went and he investigated and he, he interviewed all the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life. And he wrote it down in what we call the book of Luke. And in this passage that we're going to look at, Jesus talks about God and sin. And here's how the passage starts. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of, the, of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So Jesus had these two groups around him and neither of them understood God and how he actually viewed sin. You had the tax collectors and the, and the sinners who knew God was against them, knew, knew God was against them, knew that they were rejected by God. They were rejected by the religious community. They knew that with their relationship with God, they wanted to run and hide. They wanted to avoid the judgment that they thought was coming. And why did they know that? Because of the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees had told them that God rejected them. See, the Pharisees were the bribers. They made rules on top of rules to earn God's love, to bribe him to do good for them. And so Jesus has three stories. Two, one about a sheep, one about a coin, stories about lost things. And then he tells another story about a father and a son. And This story, I think, is the best example we have of what God is really like. It might might be, in my opinion, probably the most important story Jesus told about God. And if you have felt rejected by religion, or you felt that you you just have messed up too much for God to love you, I want you to pay close attention to this story, because I think it's going to change everything you think you know about God. So Luke writes, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. 
And so the son tells his father, basically, Dad, you just won't die. I want my inheritance now. And the father, being loving, doesn't say no, doesn't force the son to stay home. He gives him what the son wants. What he, he has free will. He chooses what he wants to do. And so he lets his son go. And the son, and in these stories, in Jesus' parables, there's always somebody who represents God. There's always somebody who represents us. And the interesting thing about this story, it's called the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard of it. The story's not really about the son. It's about the father. And so the father lets the son go. And the son goes off into a distant land. It says he, he wastes his money. That's what prodigal means. He wastes his money on, on fast living and, and fun times. And when his money runs out, his friends leave him. And he, he ends up poor and broke in a, in a distant land. And he ends up working for a guy feeding pigs. And he is so hungry that he says that he starts eating the pig food. And so basically the son is running and hiding from his father right now. And Jesus goes on with his story. He says, when he finally, when the son finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Jesus said he came to his senses and he, he realized that he had sinned. Not that he had made mistakes. We like to call sins mistakes, but we do them on purpose. They're sins. So he realized he had sinned, that he had broken the law of love. He had broken relationship with his father and it had gotten him to a place he really didn't want to be. And so he was hoping he can do something to fix it, do at least something to get back in just a little bit of his dad's good side. And so he's separated from his father, from, from, from others, from his home, even from himself. He doesn't like himself. And see, he wants restoration. And the first step to restoration is admitting their separation. He admits that he's separated and he needs to be restored with his father. And when he says he's not worthy to be called the father's son, the truth is, He's right. Look what he did to his dad. He rejected him. He purposely separated himself from his father, saying, I wish you were dead. Give me your money. He's right. He's not worthy, but he's done running. He's done hiding. And so he's going to go try to make a deal. He's going to try to bribe his dad by groveling, by saying, just make me one of your servants. I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me one of your servants. Hopefully appeasing his father's anger. But he didn't know his father very well. He didn't exactly know who his dad really was. And I think many of us are in the same position with our heavenly father. And so Jesus goes on. So he returned home to his father, probably rehearsing his speech that he's going to give him. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And so by now, the Jesus audience is catching on that the father represents God and the son represents us. And Jesus said that the, the father sees his son from a long way off, which means he's been looking for him. He's been waiting for him. Ever since he left, he's been scanning the horizon, looking for his son. Oh, is that him? No, he walks differently. No, that's, that, that's not the way. That's, he's not as tall as my son. And then one day, there's his son and he sees him and he's been waiting for him. Why? So he can Say, I told you so. I told you this wasn't going to work out the way I told you it was going to work out. Or the way you thought it was going to work out. Or, oh, you wasted my money, didn't you? Well, now you owe me. Now you're going into debtor's prison. How do you think the father would respond? 
How do you think the religious people that you know right now, or the religious, the religious people in your past, would respond to this? How would your parents respond? How do you think God would respond to somebody coming back like this? If this was your child, how would you respond? And so the people listening to this story are wondering, what's this father going to do? And in that culture, they would say, well, he, that son deserves to either be, to be stoned, put in prison, definitely not accepted. But this is a Jesus story. And it ends differently than many of us would think. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The father had never given up on his son. He had never given up hope. He was eagerly waiting to be reunited with his son. And see, here is a beautiful and incredibly important truth about God. God has never and will never give up on you. God has never given up on you and he will never give up on you. Said he was filled with love and compassion. There's no room for anything else. There's no room for judgment or I told you so or guilt. There's no room. It's just love and compassion is all the father is feeling for his son. And he ran to close the gap. He didn't wait for his son and make his son suffer a little bit longer. He ran to be with his son as soon as he possibly could. And he embraced him and he kissed him because he's his son. But what had that son done to deserve this? What had that son done to deserve to be reunited with his father in this way? And so his son said to him, going through his speech that he rehearsed, Father, I have sinned. Not, I made a mistake. You know, I made some choices that I'm not proud of. No, he admitted that he sinned. He broke the relationship. I have sinned against both heaven, separated from God, and you. Broke our relationship with each other. I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And they both know that's true. Nobody tries to wipe that away. He is not worthy. And then Jesus goes on and he says, but... One of the best words you can ever read in, in the biblical writings. But, I'm no longer worthy to call, be called your son. But, his father said to his servant. His father just cuts him off. The son doesn't even get to finish his speech. The father doesn't even listen. It says, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And then Jesus says, so the party began. I love that. Jesus loves parties. He always ends with a happy ending of a party. And the father says, look, son, I don't care what's happened. Yes, I am sorry that you had to go through that, that you had to experience that, that your, your sin and your choices led you to that. I'm sorry that happened, but you're here now. So here's the best of everything I have. You never stopped being my son. See, he doesn't make his son earn his place back by saying, you know what? Yeah, welcome back. But, you know, here's the deal. You messed up. You spent a lot of money. You need to work for two years. And then we'll talk about this whole father-son thing. He doesn't do that. He doesn't lay a guilt trip on him saying, do you know what you did to your mother by being gone for so long? 
He doesn't drag him in front of the village and make him confess all his sins and how he was a poor son and how it's not his father's fault in any way. He doesn't make him pay him back. The son turned towards his father, admitted he had sinned, that he had broken the relationship, and immediately, instantly, the relationship was healed. The father instantly and completely gives his son the one thing, the one and only thing that can heal broken relationships, forgiveness. Don't we wish our fathers were like that? See, many, some of us have fathers that were like that. Some of us didn't. Maybe you didn't. But here's a truth. Your heavenly father is always like this. See, the only thing that restores relationships is forgiveness. And God is longing to restore our relationship with him. The only thing that restores relationships is forgiveness. In fact, Jesus' best friend wrote this. When he came, an old man, this is how uh, John kind of summed up this whole idea. He said, if we confess our sins to him, admit that we have sinned, broken the relationship. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And so I hope you see the point of this story. I hope you see who God is through this story. He isn't standing around judging, waiting to smite us, waiting to say, I told you so, you should have read more Bible. He hasn't rejected you. He hasn't written you off. He hasn't canceled you. He's ready to run to you. It's the whole point of Jesus coming. This is the picture God wants us to have of him, that God is coming to offer us restoration. God is coming to offer us forgiveness. He came from, Jesus came from heaven to earth to show us who God really is and then demonstrated that love by dying for our forgiveness. And we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. But this whole thing doesn't, it doesn't require anything of us. This forgiveness doesn't require anything of us except to realize the truth that we have been separated, that we've been separating ourselves from God and from others. So we admit that we've sinned, and then we accept his forgiveness. We admit and we accept. Now listen, there is nothing in your past, present, or future that disqualifies you from God's immediate acceptance and forgiveness. I'll read it again. There is nothing in your past, present, or future that disqualifies you from God's immediate acceptance and forgiveness. See, religion says, oh, you've sinned, you're out. And there's a long, difficult, sometimes impossible road back to getting in. Jesus says God is full of love and compassion. He's not waiting to judge you. He's waiting for you to come back to him. So your relationship can be restored. He's ready to sprint to you the second you call to him. He's removed every barrier. He's paved the path back to him. The only thing that's keeping us from him is us. And so we need to admit, yes, the relationship is broken and then accept his forgiveness. But he doesn't force us. He's a loving father that lets us make our our own choices, lets us choose for ourselves. And often the religious answer to this is, ah, that's too easy. If that's it, then we're just all free to sin and do whatever we want. (laughs) Do you really think that's how this son in this story would respond to this father? 
Do you really think he'd be looking for loopholes and ways to get, get around what his father wants for him? No. This son would be full of thankfulness. He would do whatever his father wishes him to do because he knows how much his father loves him, knows that his father is for him. He's not against him, that he cares about him, and he trusts his father's love for him. He's experienced the fullness of his father's love. And so whenever somebody wants to talk about his father, even talk down about his father, all he can do is just talk about how great his father is, how much love his father has for him, what he's experienced. And then when somebody wrongs that son, maybe when his son does the same thing, how do you think that son's going to react? Is he going to hold it over their head? Is he going to cancel them? Or is he going to be quick? Is he going to be quick to forgive, to restore that relationship? Because that's what his father did for him. And so I want to give you a, I want to offer for you to admit that, yeah, We've broken our relationships with each other and with our God. And then accept the forgiveness that is already offered to you. You can be done with hiding. You can be done with bribing. You can be done with uncertainty of whether you're, you're in or out with God. He is waiting to run to you. He's not waiting to judge you. He won't force it on you because he loves us. It's our choice. And so if there's never been a point in your life where you said, God, I am done running. I am done trying to earn your love. I just want to accept your forgiveness. I just want to restore that relationship. I admit I've broken that. I just want to restore it. I want to accept your forgiveness. There's never been a point in your life that you've done that, but you want to do that. You can tell them right now. I admit I've broken the relationship. I accept your forgiveness. If that's something you did or, or you want to talk with somebody about before you do, email us, info at yourcrosscreek.com, and we would love to talk to you about what that's all about and what that means. But if you have accepted his forgiveness, you have admitted and, and accepted, then continue to trust him. Remember, you don't have to hide from him. No matter what happens, you don't have to hide. And you don't have to bribe your way back in. You are his child forever and ever and ever. And because of the forgiveness we've received, we are free to forgive those who wrong us. And we're free to offer God's forgiveness to those around us. Share what we've experienced. Because experiencing forgiveness empowers you to offer forgiveness. If you want to go deeper this week, I, I'm challenging you. Read this passage, Luke 15. Read it once every day to see God's heart for those who are separated from him. See, we know there's a separation between our father. There's a separation in our relationships. There's even a separation between who we want to be and who we are, who we've become. And religion makes us run, makes us hide from God, from others, from ourselves. It makes us try to bribe him by doing all these religious things or these good things to make our good outweigh our bad. But rules don't restore. Guilt and judgment doesn't restore. Spirituality, paying penance doesn't restore. Knowledge about spiritual things does not restore relationships. Only forgiveness can restore our relationships. Only forgiveness is strong enough to restore what sin has destroyed. Only forgiveness offers real healing. It's the only place to try to find and 
And the only place to find true forgiveness is in the arms of our Heavenly Father. See, religion rejects and separates. Jesus forgives and restores, and he will never give up on you. I want you to stick around. We have a song for you. And this song, I think you can listen to from many angles. You can listen to it from, depends where you are in your life. You can listen to it from it being from God to you. Maybe from, from you to others, or maybe from Jesus's church to you. That wherever you are, God will not give up on you. We will not give up on you. There is forgiveness. All you have to do is admit and accept. I will fight. I will fight for you. I always do until my heart is black and blue. I will stay. I will stay with you.
God will never give up on you. And he is ready to restore that relationship. All we have to do is just ask for his forgiveness. Hey, we would love to connect with you, get to know you, answer any questions you have about Jesus or God or, or the Bible. So please, if you have any questions, just let us know. We would love to know that you are out there. But we hope you have a great week and we will see you next time.